Hey, hey, everybody. Okay, okay. So, um, if you listen to these in order from like one, two, three going up, or if you listen to them going backwards, then this may not make sense to you. I mean, it, it will, but it'll make more sense if you go and listen to the podcast before this. So, if you're listening to this in the future <laughs> from today, uh, stop, pause this one, and go listen to the one before this so that this one makes more sense. So, okay. Now that the housekeeping is done, we are going to talk a little bit more um, about the attachment styles, but I really want to talk about the communication, okay? It's because communication is uh, really the key and is so central to efficiency in business and to effective leadership and really just in general how you get shit done, okay? Um a lot of people do not take communication into as much of account as they should, which is why their teams suffer, their morale suffers, their productivity, um, and they're constantly just having to look for new, 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 instead of nurturing and accommodating the relationships that they make within their infrastructure of their business, their organization, their team, whatever. Um, and a lot of that is done through communication styles. So to kind of revisit, you know, we talked a little bit about what the attachment styles were um, in the last podcast right? So secure attachment style, avoidant, uh, anxious, and then disorganized, right? That fearful avoidant or the, you know, ambivalent avoidant, right? So um, to kind of touch base, you know, secure attachments are people that ha that have a lot of confidence. They look at the world as generally a pretty safe place, right? Like you're good, I'm good. Um, you know, they have a really good uh, exchange and economy with the world in the sense that they look at it like, what do you do for me? I can do for you. Even if you don't do for me, I'm still going to do for you just because that's how I feel. I don't have to suck life from you to give life to myself. I can give myself life and I can even give others life. Um, um, an avoidant uh, are people who kind of live in that uh, deficit. They live in a scarcity mindset instead of an abundance mindset. People who have an abundance mindset more so have a, a secure attachment style. Um, they're a little bit more dismissive of their partner's thoughts or actions because they're a little bit more self-consumed. Um, you know, they're a little bit less skilled at reading their partner's needs you know, uh, intimacy, like in, in, in like relationships, like spouses and boyfriends, girlfriends, things like that. Um, their intimacy tends to fluctuate. Like how connected they are tends to fluctuate between hot and cold. Like I need you. And then I don't need you like, oh my gosh, I need you so much, so much, so much, so much. And then it's like, oh my God, you're so overpowering. You're so overbearing. Like, you know, they have this like really weird flip flop. Um, you know, they tend to avoid mental, emotional, and physical closeness. They're very uncomfortable with like hugs, with handholding. You know, they're very like, it makes them like very uncomfortable, especially at first. Um, they also tend to focus on others' imperfections um, and ignoring the positive qualities. So they tend to kind of only look at the negative things, right? In business, they tend to only look at the things that are going wrong. They are very, com they, you know, they complain, they avoid conflict. They're not really good with, you know, um, processing their emotions. They tend to internalize them. Um, they also tend to get involved with people who are like emotionally unavailable and they tend to idolize, you know, past partners and look at things like only, almost like the grass is greener okay so the grass is greener like they if you're in a new company or whatever you tend to complain a lot about this current company and think back to all the other things in your other company that were a little bit better even though at the time when you were the other company you hated it right if you're in a relationship or whatever you tend to complain about the current and then idolize the, the previous right so um, you also avoid conflict, but you want to complain about it and talk about the conflict a lot, but you won't address the conflict head on. 
Um, you know, then we talked about, you know, the anxious ambivalent. And so these people are preoccupied with their relationships and partners, often putting things off, you know, other things off. They're more focused on their partner than they are at themselves. Um, so they put their own needs on the back burner. They tend to overanalyze how much that person is concerned with them, loves them, cares for them, uh, craves intimacy and amps up their attachment style to, again, they have to extract life from the other person in order to be given life because they don't have enough to begin with in their own. They're very insecure. Um, they usually tend to act out when in distress. They have very explosive behaviors, very explosive, explosive emotional outbursts. Um, you know, they have protest behaviors. So like they have hostility, they keep score. I've done this for you and I've done this for you and I've done this for you and you haven't done this for me. Uh, they tend to withdraw. Again, this all translates into business relationships and teams and things like that, right? Um, then there's disorganized, right? That push-pull, they kind of play both sides of the fence. They're just kind of like, you never know exactly what they're going to be feeling. They tend to be a little bit more manipulative. Um, they have both anxious and avoidant qualities. They're very disorganized by, you know, in confusion. Uh, excuse me, they're very like confused by their desire for affection and then their desire to be just like left the F alone. Um, because again, it's almost like a cactus. They're very like prickly when you get near them. It's like, you never know exactly like what to expect. They have patterns of extreme stress. They have uh, potentially like abuse in their childhood um, and things like that. They tend to be, you know, really, really disorganized in their thought patterns. They're, they're just so highly unpredictable. They stir the pot. They are very driven by, you know, drama and creating chaos because they were raised in chaos. And so that's where they are comfortable. Okay, now that that is that like, you know, we recapped everything. Uh, let's talk about like how those communicate. And we don't really even have to talk a little bit about the secure attachment style because I think we all kind of know they're very fluid and very good and well adept at communicating their needs, thoughts, feelings. Uh, they're very perceptive at looking at other people, their thoughts, needs, feelings. They're very confident. They're well-spoken. They don't avoid conflict, right? So like that's the community, that's a good communication style. That's efficient. That's effective. That grows teams. That is productive. That is um, a growth mindset mindset and abundance mindset. So we're mostly going to be talking about the other ones because chances are, if you're listening to this and you have a secure attachment style and lots of other people in your team do, and you're doing great things, you can just go ahead and skip over this podcast, but chances are <laughs> either you or people on your team, um, they're, they don't all have the secure attachment style. And so you're trying to figure out how to, you know, work within that team, work within that organization with all these different people who had different communication styles, different attachment styles, different personalities and characteristics. Um, and so we are going to try to help you understand how to communicate with these people. And if you are one of these people who have, you know, disorganized or anxious or fearful or, you know, um, avoidant, you know, personalities, we need to help you figure out how to communicate more effectively in a team atmosphere. And in future podcasts, uh, shortcoming, we are going to be talking about the five dysfunctions of a team. And if you don't have that book, go grab it. Um, I'm trying to think, hold on just a second. I wanted to grab, uh, I have another book from him called The Ideal Team Player, uh, How to Recognize and Cultivate the Three Essential Virtues. Um, and uh, it's the same author, and his name is Patrick Lencioni. Um, and go grab it. Go grab those two books. I got them on Amazon for like 14 bucks, right? So the first one is Five Dysfunctions of a Team. It's a red cover. And then the second one is like a silver gray cover, and it's The Ideal Team Player. And they're both by the same author. 
that's what we're going to be covering in future podcasts once we kind of talk about this. But this lays the foundation of the people that you are working with. Then we're going to be talking about the hierarchy of kind of needs, if you will, about how to function within a team. But we need to address the individuals and who the team is and what they come to the team with before we talk about the team as a whole. And so uh, let's talk about anxious communication. So these are the people who have the anxious uh, attachment styles, right? So the uh, fearful avoidant, the disorganized avoidant. Okay, and so let's see. Um, they kind of have this like all or nothing kind of thinking, very black or white. They tend to like, they're, they engage in like catastrophizing certain things and like, oh my God, it's the worst of the worst, right? Oh my God, I don't even know how I'm gonna recover for this. Guys, oh my gosh, right? Um, the, the anxious types that kind of prolong asking for what they need, they kind of like put off expressing what they need. And so they their needs go unmet for so long and then they have these like explosive emotional outbursts and the other people on the team were like, why didn't you tell us this earlier? Or we had no idea. And the anxious person kind of internalizes it like no one cares. No one's perceptive enough. No one knows me well enough. No one, no one, you know, again, like that no one cares kind of mentality. And they internalize it like it's this purposeful act from all these other people to purposely ignore this other person when, you know, that's attachment style. They're not communicating their needs. They are not saying what they want. They are not asking for what they need. And so they are assuming that their needs will not be met. Um, and then they're like, I have to explode. I have to have this emotional outburst. I have to block people on Facebook. I have to go live and have this whatever. I have to create this big dramatic response and then people will listen, right? These are people who like as children, you know, no one listened to their needs. And so they only got what they needed when they threw tantrums. And so they learned to always throw tantrums because that's how they got what they need. They needed, excuse me. Um, that's what they do as an adult, but they do it a little bit differently. Um, and so if they're doing it with people who, you know, if they have a secure partner, like, or if they have secure, you know, friends or, or business partners or whatever, um, the damage can probably be repaired once the needs are met. Cause again, you have that secure attachment person, you know, the secure attachment, uh, style characteristic person, whether they're the leader or a team member or whatever. But the, the problem ensues where you start to get this tension is when you are talking to other people with this anxious communication style or this avoidant communication style, there tends to be this really weird unspoken tension. Um, and productivity kind of goes down the drain. So I want you to think about your team right now. And I want you to think about the people you have in there. And I want you to think, does this describe any of them? Right. You have people who don't really say anything. And then when someone says something, they're like, Wah! they like explode. Um, they have this highly emotional outburst. They leave the chat. They block you on Facebook. They're just like, I'm better off on my own. Screw this. These people are careless and thoughtless and right. But they haven't really expressed their needs before that really. Or they were kind of doing it in this weird cryptic way that they expected other people to decode. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, however, the secure attachment style person and the secure communicator is going to be able to like mend that bridge because they're, they have much more emotional intelligence and their communication skills to be able to kind of bridge that gap and create closure. However, if they encounter other anxious communicators and avoidant people in the team, those um, the avoidant people will just kind of accept this false sense of harmony. Um, they acknowledge the tension, but they won't do anything about it because it scares the flip out of them. Like they're just like, nope, I do not do conflict. Uh, this like, I want to retreat right now. I want to just kind of go into my own little corner. Um, these are people who might even just kind of distance themselves from the business or the team in general, because they just don't, they associate the team with like drama 
or conflict or whatever and they don't like that it makes them very uncomfortable so they tend to back away um and then you get the other anxious communicator who then you have two people who are blaming one another or blaming the team or organization for the kind of same things and they're creating this like massive tension that's like surmounting and like becoming so difficult to tame okay so um they're less likely to communicate their needs directly they do it in this like really weird crypting way they hint they assume right so if that's kind of your communication style, you need to be a little bit more direct. You need to stop assuming and just say what you mean. Uh, you need to ask for what you need. You need to make inferences, but you know, um, based on reality and not narratives in your head. Meaning like you need to make your assumptions and make assert your communication and assert your needs based on facts that you can see and prove and hear than basically what's going on in your head, the narrative, the things that you assume, the things that you think they mean, because it is not up to you to assume what you think people mean. Um, that is not within your control. Um, and this can only be done if you communicate directly with people, not through other channels of people who then get it to the other person that they need. You need to go directly to them, even if it is an uncomfortable situation. We kind of call those, you know, the courageous conversations, right? So if one's needs have been communicated in a responsible manner and their partner refuses, right, their partners, their team members or whatever refuse to meet those needs, this is a clear sign that like this team is in trouble. So if they're constantly having conflict that's not being resolved or if the team is constantly avoiding conflict, that's also an issue. If your team never has conflict, it's probably not because you guys all agree all the time. It's because everyone's just too accommodating or too avoidant to be able to, um, you know, tackle it head on and they don't want to rock the boat they don't want to prolong the meeting they don't want to be perceived in a negative light whatever and then you have this like false sense of harmony so kind of moving on to other things like the avoidant communication, right? We have a lot of people like that uh, due to a need for like separation and a tendency towards all or nothing thinking very similar to, you know, the anxious communication style person. Um, they tend to engage in mind reading, assuming what other people mean, assuming malicious intent, assuming that this person meant to say this, but they really said it this way, right? They do a lot of those things. They um, you ever had conversations with people where you say something and then when they were, then when they, um, respond, you're like, where did that come from? Right. And you ask them to, or they're reporting back what you said and you're like, Whoa, that is not at all what I said, because what they're reporting back is the narrative that's going on in their head and the way that they are interpreting what you said with so much more of their own emotion attached to it. And it ends up twisting everything you said because again they're assuming malicious intent right so they tend to pull away from those relationships they tend to isolate they tend to withdraw they tend to avoid right um and so if they have other people who have that more secure attachment style or, or secure communication style, uh, there's less of a chance of, of, of a reaction occurring uh, because the partner will address the issue directly and they are able to kind of peel back the layers of all of that assumption and really get to the root cause. I have the hiccups right now, so... If I'm pausing and you're like, what, what? Is this like a dramatic pause? No, it's because I'm hiccuping right now. Um, and so if, but if they have 
if they have other people with anxious communication styles, um, they will try to initiate closeness, resulting in a self-fulfilling prophecy of, of, of them wanting too much from you. So uh, essentially what, they're, what that means is you're probably thinking like, whoa, little over my head. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, it means that in a, instead of... Um, resolving the conflicts um, by talking about it and dissecting it and problem solving. They think I'm just going to love it out of you, <laughs> right? You ever have that person that's just like they experience conflict with somebody and, and their idea of solving it is just to like love their way out of it. It's just to be like, I'm so sorry. I want to give you a hug and I promise I'll change and I'll do this and I'm so sorry you feel that way and like, yes, we love you and you know, they, they they want to like comfort the person who's expressing themselves or who might not be expressing themselves, but might just be expressing their emotions, but not expressing what they need. They're just like, they're having this like outburst. They want to just love the other person to death. They want to include them more, right? Uh, you ever have those people that are like enablers that like, there's this really dysfunctional person in the team and this other person who wants to love the shit out of them is like equally as dysfunctional because they're enabling this really dysfunctional uh, behavior that's really poisoning the team atmosphere, right? Because what they're doing is they are positively reinforcing this person's behavior this this really dysfunctional poisonous behavior and what I mean by positively reinforcing so in the in the behavior world positive and negative reinforcement and positive and negative punishment isn't in the means of like positive as being good and negative as being bad it's like mathematical it's positive as in adding something and negative as in taking something away. So when there is positive reinforcement, it means you are reinforcing a behavior you want to happen. If you are positively punishing, it means you are um, punishing something in hopes of adding a more positive behavior. Okay. You are punishing the, punishing the bad behavior. So you're doing, you know, you're taking that behavior away, but you're also, um, in doing, in doing that punishment, you are adding a more positive behavior, adding a more desirable, desirable behavior. Um, when you are negatively reinforcing, right? So um, when you're doing something and um, you want to take away a behavior, like you want to take away a child's uh, screaming and tantruming or whatever, and you do something... Um, like you give them a reward when they don't do it. So like you, your child screams in the grocery store. And if they go like five, 10 minutes without screaming, you like give them something, you give them a sticker, you give them whatever you are negatively reinforcing because you are, you are reinforcing a behavior they are not doing. You are, you are seeking to take that behavior away. Okay. So I kind of want to clarify that because those terms get misused so much in like the com like the world, right? The regular world, not like the behavioral world. Um, and so we need to work on negative reinforcement, negative punishment and positive reinforcement and positive punishment. Also, I hate the word punishment, um, I like like outcome <laughs> or like something. So punishment also doesn't mean like whipping them or like smacking them or whatever. Punishment is just something. It's like you know there's a negative, um, negative as in bad. Like there's something that's like that's they don't like it. It's uncomfortable, right? Like you you how they behave gives them an uncomfortable situation that kind of forces change. Okay, that's kind of what punishment is, right? 
Anyway, I digress. I just, I had to go on that little tangent to like really help you uh, understand kind of where we're going with the rest of this. And so, you know, um, an anxious partner, like we talked about an anxious team member or whatever, will try to initiate closeness resulting in self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning exactly what that person didn't want to happen, exactly what that person was describing is actually going to happen as a result of this type of anxious communicator. Um, so when an anxious communicator is doing this to an avoidant communicator, <laughs> it actually exactly what the avoidant communica- communicative person was assuming was going to happen, happens. Okay. Because the anxious person enables it without realizing it. Right. Um, and so it, you, it kind of creates this damned if you do, damned if you don't mentality within the team. Like, it doesn't matter if I comfort you. You still act like this. It doesn't matter if I avoid you. You still act like this. Like, what the heck? Like, how are we ever going to solve this, right? Um, so it's equally as bad. It's equally as maladaptive, right? So like mal meaning bad um, and adaptive meaning like, you know, something that um, you assimilate to. So you don't want to adopt that kind of behavior. You don't want to just love it out of them. You don't want to just be like, oh, they're acting this way. They're acting out. They're stirring up drama because like we just need to love them harder. No. (laughs) I mean, love them. Yes. But when you go out of your way, right? So I want you to think of it like this sliding scale, right? The avoidant person is over here on zero and you and you as the other person are over here on 100, okay? Um, actually, excuse me, no. You guys are both 50-50 in the middle. This is better. You guys are both 50-50 in the middle. You're at, you know, you're both in the middle at the, at the 50 mark. Um, what the avoidant communicative style person will do is withdraw back to like 25. And then the anxious person, right? The anxious communicator will then compensate. And then now they're doing 75% of the work. So they meet the person at the 25. But again, if they're coming from a hundred, they're doing not only their 50, but 75, which reinforces this avoidant communicator style that they have, they can do less and get more. Okay, does that make sense to people? You're having a light bulb moment, okay? They are constantly making other people come to them, do the work, make them feel like you owe them something, that you are somehow in the wrong. You have to then guess how they feel without them telling you, and then you're gonna probably inevitably get it wrong, which makes them withdraw more, and then we see how this snowballs, right? So quote unquote, loving it out of them and loving on them despite their malice adaptive behavior and their dysfunctional behavior. Again, when I say loving on them, I mean like this overly nurturing, this false sense of harmony, this like telling them compliments and amazing things and like, oh my God, you're so, you know, and highlighting all these positive things because you think, oh, if I highlight the positive, they'll do more of the positive and less of the negative. No, because the avoiding communication style person is not that self-aware to understand that that's what you're complimenting. They think that you're complimenting them as a whole, but then they don't also attach to it because they have a low sense of self-esteem. And so they're going to continue (laughs) to do those maladaptive behaviors. And then the person who's accommodating them thinks like they're reinforcing and doing like really great things and loving on them. And like, it just, it's this crazy cycle where both people just end up getting really hurt and really drained because it's like this succubus of energy. Okay. So stop doing that. Stop it. So if there are people on your team who are avoidant communicators, they will find, right? They will find the life. Those are life suckers. And then the anxious people will find, they are the life givers to avoidant people. But likewise, anxious people, right? The anxious communicators, those who are part of that attachment style are life suckers of other people as well. 
again. And it just means like they suck the life, they suck the self-worth, they suck the value out of other. They're like, I need to extract from you to give to myself because I don't have, right? It's like robbing from the rich to feed the poor, kind of the same thing. They're, they're robbing from the people who are emotionally rich and confidently rich and, um, uh, emotionally intelligence rich or emotional intelligence rich, and they're robbing from them to give to themselves, right? To feed the poor. Um, so that's kind of what I mean by that, like life sucker, life giver. Um, and so they're, they're, they're equally as dysfunctional. And so you really need to identify who these people are, even if that person is you. Um, you know, avoidance type people are less likely to, you know, the, um, like we were talking about as far as like anxious communication style and avoidant communication style, like they are, you know, less likely to take other people's needs into account because they are just so self-involved with how they feel. They don't assume how they don't, they don't try to take into account how the other person might feel as well. Um, so if one has a strong desire to like push a partner away and then flee, they should communicate, you know, they need to communicate their need for space to the, to, to people, right? They need, instead of just running away and assuming the other person needs to know or saying that other person doesn't deserve to know right and then you kind of create this like really weird like ambivalent like what the hell did I do to this person like screw them this is really this is really stupid like and then again they create a situation that's worse so do you ever have those people who were like no matter what I do it always ends up being so bad it's like because they create situations based on how they behave based on their attachment style and their communication style that makes situations worse Right, like we talked about that self-fulfilling prophecy, the very same, the very thing that they are complaining about, they make worse and amplify based on those behaviors. <laughs> right. And so it's like this big snowball effect where you're like, if you just stopped and if you grew and if you kind of changed certain things in your communication style, and if you were more open and let us know, like we'd be able to solve this. But in your desire to have these strong emotional reactions based on your assumptions that are not grounded in reality, and then you act on them, you end up creating a worse situation, which then reinforces to you how you feel so you feel justified and then you continue to do those things right um okay sorry <laughs> I didn't like go off on a tangent but I like looked away and I was just kind of like getting into it and I was like oh my gosh I have to go back to my notes because I want to make sure I keep this one a little bit more under time because the other one was longer because we were setting the foundation this one just kind of like talk about the communication style and how we can work better and more effectively as a team um and so you do definitely need to, as the leader, as if you're a person with a secure attachment style, you know, secure um, communication style, you need to assure timeliness and reassure and reassurance um, a lot. So you need to be a person of your word in order to help these people who are more avoidant communicators or more anxious communicators. You need to go out of your way to prove that you are dependable. Because again, the reason these people um, have, the reason people have that kind of attachment style is because their caregivers were proven to be unreliable or not dependable or overly dependable <laughs> and inflexible. Um, and so timeliness, you know, and reassurance uh, works wonders if you have somebody who's in more of an anxious space, if you have somebody who's in an avoidant space, um, definitely meeting them where they're at, but not chasing because chasing people with avoidant communication styles and avoidant attachment styles reinforces, remember, positively reinforces that behavior because what you are doing is you are enabling. That's what enabling is. It's positive reinforcement. And again, not positive as in good, but positive as 
you're adding another behavior to that person's toolbox. And what that means is you're showing them the way that they are acting, the way they are behaving, the way are they, you know, um, the way they're reacting is working for them. Okay. People only change when behaviors continue to work for them. If something doesn't work for people, they stop doing it, okay? doesn't matter how dysfunctional it is, if it works for them and if it serves a purpose and serves a need and fulfills a need, they're going to keep doing it, right? That is why people use drugs. I mean, you can't tell me people use drugs because like, this is really healthy for me. This is going to make me live longer. No, they know the consequences. They are not stupid, right? People who use drugs do it because it fills a need no matter how dysfunctional or maladaptive it is. It fills a need and it works for them because it takes away the pain they feel. It takes away the emotions they feel. It takes away those things or it adds a sense of satisfaction. It adds a sense of control whatever it is, right? Um, insert the same thing for sexual relationships with partners. Insert the same thing for alcoholism. Insert the same thing for, you know, whatever. So people only change when the behavior stops working for them. So in order to, again, negative reinforcement, in order to take that behavior away, you cannot chase people. You cannot reinforce behaviors that are maladaptive to not only you, to the other social relationships, but to the team. You cannot give life to those kinds of behaviors because it will affect the overall team morale. And when the team morale is affected, productiveness and efficiency is affected. So if you're wondering why you're in this weird cycle, this roller coaster, this up and down, or you're on this downward trend in your business and you're not seeing the success that you want and you are not seeing the growth that you want, you need hiccup again. You need to take all of these things into account. Okay. I will go ahead and leave it at that. If we get into it anymore, we will open another can of worms and this podcast will be way too long. So I hope that you found some of those things valuable. And, you know, like I said, we're going to be talking a little bit about the five dysfunctions of a team and, you know, the ideal team player and communication styles and how to tackle conflict and how to have those kinds of courageous conversations and how to have higher functioning teams with more emotional intelligence. Because when you do that, you experience so much more productivity that actually begins to like skyrocket. So if that's something that you want, keep listening. If you found some value in this, please go ahead and screenshot it. Tag me at thecourtneyrogers.co, C-O. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was. Let me know what really enlightened you, what really helped you um, understand whether yourself or the people around you or your team. I would love to know. And again, as always, if you ever have any suggestions, you ever want to learn about anything different that I don't talk about, please let me know whether you DM me or you put it in those screenshots. Let me know. I love to know your opinions. Until then, I hope you guys use some of this and put it to good use and see some positive changes in your team. I will catch you later.